Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Hi, family. It's great to see everybody tonight. Welcome to the Way Church Service. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For making all this possible for us, going to the cross, shedding His blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and giving us a new life and a purpose here on planet earth. We gather here to learn about our creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a specific goal and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we use it to see how God wants us to live, think, act, serve, and treat others. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. I want to personally welcome each and every one of you here to the Way Church service. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. Amen? So if you have a cell phone... Can you please silence it so it doesn't interrupt tonight's service? And we'll start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this awesome opportunity again, Lord, and another day in our lives to gather together as your family to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and put your name above all names, Lord, And to put you first in our lives, Lord. Help us, Lord, to leave the cares of the world behind tonight, Lord. As we listen to your spirit. To listen to what the spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. And speak to our hearts tonight, Lord. Thank you for each and every one of us. Thank you for the unity in the body, Lord. Thank you for your unconditional love for us, Lord. And your matchless grace and tender-hearted mercies. To begin afresh every morning, Lord. For without them, Lord, we couldn't go on. Thank you for all your generous provisions that you provided for us, Lord, knowing that everything comes from you, Father. Help us to see you in everything in our lives, Lord, through the trials, the adversities, and the blessings, knowing that you're involved in it all, Lord, and you love us unconditionally. And we pray for the people that can't be here, Lord, that you give them other ways and opportunities to watch the service or hear it through the Internet, or whatever other means that we provide for them to get the message tonight, Lord. And let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing a song. We're going to worship the Lord and get started. Oh, Lord, my God. 
Thank you. How great thou art. Amen? Amen. God is good all the time. God's goodness does not depend on our performance. Thank God for that. Amen? Thank God for His grace and His matchless mercy that He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Amen? Amen. We're so grateful. All right. How's everybody doing? It's really great to see everybody. What a beautiful day it was, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Just a little side note. The golf is at it again in my garden. Okay? He's... He stripped off all my cucumber leaves this morning, uh, and he, he's grabbing, he's going after the zucchinis now, but I got the trap set up, and I hope I can catch this guy and send him off in situate somewhere. Yeah, I, I can't, I don't have, I, well, I let him, the other one go in Lincoln Woods, but I think he might have found his way back. I don't know. I'm going to have to take him a little bit farther, but that's okay. I just don't have the heart to do any harm to it, yeah, you know, because right. they're beautiful creatures, yep. and you know, he, he, he doesn't do, he's just doing what God created him to do. He's hungry, he's got to eat too, you know? And the Bible tells me if I'm going to kill something, I'm going to eat it, and I definitely ain't eating the gopher. I said, well, I go to the market and get something to eat. I don't have to go do that, amen? So we're going to just, just keep that in prayer so we can get some good vegetables to eat. <laughs> he's all right, he's all right, we'll get through this. But I'll tell you, I was really aggravated when I seen it. But, you know, it is what it is. It happens. That's right. Let's go to um, Luke chapter 6 that uh, Mary put up on the board. Let's go there first. And then we're going to continue our study on biblical spiritual growth and our self-control issue that we all need a hold of. I'll tell you what, it took a lot of self-control for me not to want to go find that gopher. Boy. <laughs> you get tested every day. You know, the closer you get to the Lord, the more the devil tries to knock you out. That's how you know when you're getting close to him. When you're starting getting attacked by the devil. Relentlessly, because you're on the path of truth. And the devil does not want you there. Or to bring anybody else there for that matter. And so he's going to do whatever he can to get you out of the box. That's okay. He's been defeated. He's been defeated. Amen. At the cross. See, you're learning. It's not by our emotions. It's the fact of the Bible that we have, he's been defeated. And we no longer have to fall prey to his schemes. When we can see what's behind it, we know Satan's behind it. We don't hate the sinner, we hate the sin behind it. And whatever people are doing, or whatever situation he puts us in. Because Satan is the God of this world. You have to understand that. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Everybody there? Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. So now we know it doesn't depend on being rich to get to the kingdom. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. So we have to understand that part of the Christian life is that there's going to be sorrows and times of weeping. And you know what? In due time we will laugh. It's only for a season, the Bible says. But it seems like when we're going through it, it's like never going to end. But we have to understand God's ways in the Bible. Look at verse 22. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you 
and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. You see it out there. You stop following God's ways and the people that are following the devil's ways don't like that. And they think there's something wrong with you when you follow the righteous path. Because it shines light on their wrongdoing and they don't want that. So they say what you're doing is wrong and what they're doing is right. Wrong is right and right is wrong. So we have to understand that principle as Christians. Look at verse 23. When that happens, be happy. All right. You hear what it says now? When something like that happens, to be happy. Don't get mad or miserable about it. Be happy because you're on the right path. Look what it says. Leap for joy. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. See? Not here. The reward comes later, in heaven. And remember, the ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. Amen. If you read, we're all reading the Old Testament, right? In the daily walk. It's awesome through the Bible in a year, right? And when we start to read about the prophets and how they got treated, God sent them to tell truth to the people and let them know what was going to happen if they don't repent. And they hated that truth because they didn't want any of that. They wanted to live their own way. You have to understand that. All right. Awesome. Thank you for that scripture. That's awesome scripture to ponder. Just remember, we're going to have to go through a lot of stuff here to do the right thing. And the devil wants us to get off path and do the wrong thing. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We have to understand that. But one thing we have to understand, God gives us all the power we need down here as believers to live the way he tells us to live in the Bible. Can I get an amen for that? It is not a passive act waiting for God to do this for you. It is an active act that we have to practice and exercise in our daily lives. Too often, Christians live defeated lives and unbelievers live more, more better lives because they're actually using their willpower to get through things and the Christians are just saying, well, there's nothing I can do. So they're just living in it and, and, and saying there's nothing I can do. When we can live supernatural defeated the enemy lives with testimony and power way past anything of the world or the ways that they are living. Amen? We have to understand it's not something you sit and wait for. It's something that you already have. But you have to put it into practice and exercise these things. Too often Christians take the spiritual literal and the literal spiritual and they mess it all up when it's both. You have to take the spiritual and use it in a literal way. And you have to take the literal and use that in a spiritual way. It's not that you neglect either one. And we're going to teach on that so we can get this self-control down. How many of us need self-control? All right, we're not talking about willpower. We're talking about something far greater. We're talking about a supernatural gift that the Holy Spirit gives to every believer that has to be lived out and put into practice. It is an active, not a passive thing. You can't wait for this to happen. It already did. You already possess it. Oh, I'm going to pray about it, and God's going to give me the willpower and the self-control not to do that anymore. Not happening. You have to fight back. And I'm going to show you in the Scriptures where it tells us that. Too many people get the wrong teachings, and they don't get all this, and they don't enjoy what God gave us in this life. To, to get rid of our flesh, amen. And to enjoy. Alright. Let's start off in 
Let me just explain something about self-control, and then we're going to get into it, okay? Don't go there, but in Proverbs 25, 28, it says, A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. So we understand that self-control is very important in the Christian walk. To have self-control over our flesh. To have control over self. That's the problem. To have control over self. We, have, we don't have any control over other people. Okay? We don't have control over with the situations in the world, but we do have control over self in the way we act, think, and, and feel. Can I get an amen for that? Too often Christians get defeated, don't think they have any power over them emotions. We have tons of it. Now let me explain something. In our day, there's much discussion regarding the person and work of the Holy Spirit, Okay. Every day we can turn on TVs and see people claiming to have experienced incredible healings and other such miracles. Hundreds of books have been written about fantastic visions, foretelling the future, or granting a person a tour in heaven. You've seen these things on TV, right? Although there may be some truth to it, the Bible speaks of no such revelations given to a believer as a spiritual gift. Okay? It's not in the Bible. The evidence to such miraculous gifts ceased with the death of the last apostle makes such claims extremely doubtful. We have to understand these things. But they sound good, don't they? Oh, somebody said they saw heaven and all these things. Listen, that's not in the Bible, and there's no Bible, nothing in the Bible backs up that God gives anybody them revelations to see. The only one who's seen heaven was Paul. And the only one who ever did and ever will. Until we go home to be with him. Amen? Or else the Bible would have told us we would see that stuff. We'd have visions and dreams and see all these things. Not reality. It's not in the Bible. So we're not going to promote that here. Amen? The only thing we promote here is the word of God. And that's the only truth we go by. Additionally, this preoccupation with spiritual gift reveals incorrect thinking regarding our spiritual growth. Okay, since God gives spiritual gifts to all Christians. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that. Even the most immature believer has a gift. However, since only mature believers consistently exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, it is the fruit which we must be concerned about. Okay, it is the presence of the fruit in our lives that demonstrates True maturity. Can I get an amen for that? That's what shows true spiritual maturity is the demonstration of the fruit that the Bible tells us that we possess when it's actually lived out in our lives. That's the evidence, okay? Not what you've seen or somebody's seen something in heaven or somebody got zapped into healing, okay? That's not the evidence. Tonight we're going to examine the fruit of self-control, which is Galatians 5.23. Basically, now let me explain self-control. To have self-control means that we behave in a manner appropriate to the given situation. Okay, it means we defer when it is appropriate to defer. It means we speak when we need to speak. It means that we control our tempers and do not blow up every time things do not go our way. How about an amen for that? That's called self-control. How many of us are still exploding when things don't go our way? 
Well, that just shows us that we're not mature. That's what the Bible says. Okay? Just don't, don't, get, don't get offended by it. It's just what the Bible says. We need to grow. So we can, what, control that. How many of us want to control that? So we don't blow up. I know I do because I'm a nuclear explosion when I blow up. <laughs> Once I blow up, it's off. Evidence, I can't, I gotta, it's going to run its course. Once it starts coming out, it's going to flow. Can I get an amen for that? Am I the only one that goes through this? Okay. I need plenty of self-control. And the problem is, I never thought that I, that I, I, ha I already have self-control. I'm just not using it. I'm not using the spiritual gifts that, Christian, that I as a Christian have. Because I'm not taught how to use it. When to use it. When I got to step back. When every, any given situation when my temp is ready to flare. I need self-control so it doesn't. Has nothing to do with willpower because my willpower don't work. I can only withstand that for a little while. Then the nuclear explosion happens. Okay. Can I get any meant for that? All right, we're going to be real here tonight in church, okay? Amen. We're, going to we're going to need to put into practice these things so we can show that we're growing, okay? Okay, it means we ignore the minor mistakes of others. Now, listen now. We ignore the minor mistakes of others instead of trying to prove that we are always right. That takes self-control. You know how you always got to get it in there. I got to tell them, I know I'm right, and I'm going to tell them I'm right, and I'm going to show them why. No. Sometimes we just have to give people the benefit of the doubt, and how do you know that you're right? Only God is right. Okay. Exercising self-control often means we put other people before ourselves. Okay. It often involves putting the good of a group instead of the good of an individual. We see this when we look at like sports teams. Successful teams always have players that defer to one another when necessary in order to win the victory. Amen? We all have spiritual gifts. Instead of everybody trying to do everything, we what? Defer to each other to get the job done. Amen? It's a team effort. When we seek to practice self-control in our lives, we must take care of what we do not become passive wimps. Okay? I'm going to be real with you. Can I be real here? Thank you. All right. You can be real here too, okay? If you had a bad day, it's all right. If you had a good day, that's good. Whatever. We're here. It's a hospital for healing people. And we're going to practice and we're going to heal. When it comes to matters of truth and integrity, we cannot yield to other people. If someone is teaching a heresy, for example, exercising self-control and behaving in a manner appropriate to the situation means that we call attention to the matter and stand up for the truth. You don't just say, oh, let him teach it. No, we stand up for what the Bible says. Have an amen for that. A lot of Christians are just too passive. Oh, I'm going to sit and I'm going to wait for God to give me self-control so I can win the victory. But I can't. Oh, but. And they lose. They come and they lose. And they never gain the victory that Jesus died to give them. And they never use it because they think it's a passive thing that they have to wait for. When it's something you already have and have to put into practice. Thank you. Is the fruit of self-control manifesting itself in your life? Do you lose your temper often? Or are you able to control your emotions? 
Take some time to look at the relationships in your life to see whether you are exercising self-control. Ask God to grant you the wisdom to understand how you might better control yourself in all situations. Amen? All right, and we're going to give you some principles on how to do that. How's that sound? Sound good to you? All right, first we're going to talk, I'm going to go to um, 1 Peter 1 to, to show you where it says that it's an active thing and not a passive thing, okay? Am I coming across all right so far? Yeah. All right. Just stay focused on this because you're going to learn something tonight. It's something you can take with you and actually put into practice. That's what we're, that's what we're here for. Look at 1 Peter 1, verse 13. He's telling the believers what to do. He's telling them clearly. So prepare your minds for action. And exercise self-control. What's exercise? When you do something physically, when you exercise, you actually do something. You exercise at the gym, right? You lift the weights, you do the thing. So that's not something that's passive. It's an active thing. You go to the gym and exercise. It's the same thing. with It says exercise self-control. Any given situation that comes up in your life, you have to exercise self-control. We know that it's not a passive thing. Now, the Bible tells us to exercise it. Can I get an amen for that? We know that it's not passive anymore, so get off your little wimpy butts to thinking, oh, I'm going to wait for God. No, it's an active thing that you have to do in order to get the victory. He empowers you to get the victory. Because you have to do it. All right, now look what it says. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Now look what it says in verse 14. So you must live as God's obedient children. You see it? Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. You know what the problem is with Christians? They didn't know anything any better then, and they know better now, and they still do it, and they wonder why they get disciplined by God so harshly. Because you didn't know any better then, and now you know exactly what the Bible tells us to do. And then when you don't do it, it's an act of disobedience, and God gives us what? A good spiritual whipping. Because he said, you, you know. It's not like you don't know. You can't claim ignorance anymore. You know. Now look what it says. You didn't know any better, but now, look at verse 15. You must be holy in everything you do. Don't you wish the moment you believed in Jesus... You were holy in everything you did? Don't you wish you can just sit on the couch and be holy? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Christians think that's all you got to do. Not. There is so much. That's why Christianity is such a mess today. Nobody's told that they're in an army that they have to put into practice and fight. We have to fight over the flesh. Through the power of the spirit. How's that sound? We can't do it in the flesh. All right, let's just listen now. Listen to what it says. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you. See, 
He you didn't choose him. He chose you. You know why he chose you? Because he knew that he would empower you and you, very every Christian here, have the ability to live the way he tells you to live. That's how that's how much he loves you and knows you. He knows you have the ability. So he chose you. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. Okay? So when you're chosen by God, that means you have the exact and all the power, and God knows you have it within you, and he's going to put it within you to carry it out. And that's a blessing and a privilege and an honor. That's truth. He chose you because he knows you have the ability to do it. The only thing getting in the way is you in your flesh. Now look what it says. And remember, now he was quoting, number one, he was quoting Leviticus 11, 44, 45, and 19, 2, and 27. He used the Old Testament scripture. That's what he was quoting there. So if you want to go back for reference, it says it in the scripture, you must be holy because I'm holy. And that's where we got it from. And remember, that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. Listen, coming to church every week, reading your Bible every day, does not make you favorite with God. So don't think because you do that, that you're going to get a pass. doesn't work that way. As a matter of fact, the more you know the Bible, the more challenged you're going to get. If you understand, we're reading in Job. He knew God very well. Boy, what a challenge he faced. God put him to the test, didn't he? So don't think, the more you know, the more you're going to get challenged and refined. So some people might say, well, I want to stay ignorant then. <laughs> so I don't have to go through anything. And that's why people walk away from Christianity. I ain't walking away from that because I didn't walk. Listen, the devil had me. He don't have me no more. Now Jesus has me. And I'm going to fight for his army now, not the devil's. Amen? And that's why you're called to fight in God's army. You ever, you didn't even fight a war sitting on the chair? You wish. See how defeated you get. And remember, he will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residence. Do you realize we're just passing through? This life you're in right now is not your permanent home. So don't get too comfortable down here. We're just passing through. That's why reasonably happy here. You're not going to get everything you want and be reasonably happy down here materially. So don't try to gain it all. You're not going to get it as a Christian. You're still going to have emptiness in you. Till we go home to be with him. Amen? Amen. Alright. Now I'm going to give six principles. Now these aren't exhaustive. These are just some of the things that I've learned that helped me. That hopefully they can help you. And we went over some of them. Okay? The first, the first one we renewed our mind through God's word. Okay? We know that Romans 12 too. Okay? It tells us. Let's just read through them. We're going to go right down. Renew your mind through God's word. Principle one. Can't get around this one. This is the most important one. The renewal of the mind. And understanding the power that comes through the word of God. 
Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. So let me ask you this. If you are practicing the behaviors and customs of this world, you're not going to have any self-control. Number one, it's not going to happen. You can't have both. It tells you not to copy the behavior. The Bible tells us to come up out of the world. Does he tell us to go live in a cave? No. What he's trying to tell us is don't live by the standards the world sets. You have to live by the standards that I set in the word of God. So when somebody comes up to attack you, you don't attack them back. You pray for them. See, that's the standard he chose you to have. You see, it's a different standard. But if you don't renew your mind, when somebody attacks you, well, they attack me, so i got to stand up for myself and defend myself. And how many of us fall prey to that all the time? But I read my Bible. Wow, good, good for you. What do you do with what you're reading is the question. Do you use what you're reading in the time of adversity is the problem. And that's what shows if you're growing spiritually or not. When, the, when that comes to your mind, when the problem comes, say, okay, I'm going to step back. The Holy Spirit has to take over now. i got to shut up and give it to God. That's maturity. When you can stop before you act. Self-control, exactly. How many of us have a problem with that? Have a hard time with it. Because self-control and willpower are two different things. You understand? Self-control is empowered by the words of God and the Holy Spirit. Willpower is of the flesh. I'm going to do this. I'm going to fight this. Okay. Okay. Look at it says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by sitting on the couch and watching TV. <laughs> no. By changing the way you think, and the only way you're going to change the way you think is through renewing the mind from reading the Bible. Amen. You can't get around it. This is not reading the Bible. This is me helping you to understand the Bible. You have to read it yourself. You can't get around it. How many of us put that first in their life? Don't answer it. And how many need to? Okay. When you stop putting him first and using the principles of the Bible first, you would not imagine the awesome power that you have. Because I know when I'm getting ready for a study and I'm doing these things, when I go out, it's all fresh in my mind and I'm acting perfect. Because I'm, this is all in there. Because that's what's in my, that's what's circulating in my mind. But when you're not in the Word of God and you're not doing studies, and see, just reading the Bible is one thing, but studying it and seeing where it applies to you and applying it is something in-depth that we have to do. First you have to read it, then you have to read it again and again and again, and then what? See, what it, see how it pertains to me. And then actually use it. You think you can read the Bible once and say, I don't need to read it again? There's people, there's, I don't know, 90, 95% of Christians have never read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and say that they're mature. I'm not trying to brag. I've read it like eight times already, and I'm still like, some of the things that I'm reading, I'm saying, wow, I didn't see that before. Where did that come from? You have to keep reading it and get deeper and deeper into the revelations as you mature. You don't have to go anywhere else. You have to keep reading the Word of God. And then as you grow and mature, he reveals things to you. All right. 
You with me so far? Oh, this is get this is getting good. Because what do we want here? A bunch of successful overcomers like the Bible says that we are. Not defeated Christians in the world. Believe me, we should have way more success than the people of the world because they don't have the Holy Spirit. And they're showing more success than we are. Because people are just taught, oh, God's grace covers it. There's nothing you have to do. No, you have to change into a new creation. He changed you. You have to actually show that change. Woe to you pastors, he said, to teach people false doctrine and tell them that they don't have to do anything. He prepares us for action. He gives us grace and power for action. Grace is the power to live a successful life as a Christian. Not a defeated sinner. Believe me, I have to answer for that. Now look what it says. Let God transform you to a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn. Listen. Listen to what I'm saying now. Have I got everybody's attention? Then it says you will learn to know God's will. How? When you go to school, you have to learn something, right? You go to school and they teach you. The Bible is teaching you so you can learn to know what God's will is for you, what's passive, what's active, what I have to discern, what I got to leave to Him, and what I have to combine to get the power. Too many times people go off either side. They look at the literal as passive and the passive as literal and they apply neither. When it's both. You need the the passive to apply literal, and you need the literal to be passive. You have to understand how God works. And we're going to show you. I'm going to show you. We're not done. <laughs> Look, his will is good and pleasing. All right, the second one, pray for Jesus and the Holy Spirit's help. I don't know how many times. I don't know what to pray for, really. I'm going through so much. I just say, Lord, help me. Help me, help me, help me. And God knows even though we can't understand it, or the words can't even come out. Just help me in any given situation. Can I get an amen for that? We amen. need to use this power. Look, look at verse um, Hebrews 4, verse 14. We're going to get through these principles, trust me. We're going to get through with a smile. So then, verse 14, Hebrews 4. So then, since we have, see, you have to know these things. Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, look what it says. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. You know when you hold firmly on something, right? What this word is, all the things of the Bible and all the promises you're learning, you have to hold firmly to them. See what it says? Firmly to them. Look what it says. The, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Oh, thank you, Jesus. See, he's my best friend because he understands me. People don't understand my weaknesses because I get judged all the time through them. You know when you fall short and you're weak in the world, people judge you. Christians judge you. Which should not be. Jesus don't judge me. Amen. That's why he's my best friend. When I fall short, 
He's my advocate. He says, John, I know it's all right. Relax. I'm not holding that against you. I'm giving you the power not to do it anymore. You see? He's my best friend. He's empowering me. But when you think that he's judging you, you're going to run from him. You know when somebody judges you how you don't want nothing to do with them, right? Oh, my God. The last thing you need when you fall short is to be judged. And you don't go near them, you don't go near them people. How are you going to go near to God if you think he's judging you? This is why you have to understand his grace and mercy. How many of us are still hot on ourselves when we fail? Lack of understanding. There it is right there. Lack of understanding of what he did at the cross. You're not believing what I'm saying. That's what's happening. You're not believing what I'm telling you, what the Bible says. That you are forgiven and our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. If you have a guilty conscience, it's because you don't believe it. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. It's defeated. You're, it's defeated. You don't have it anymore. See, you're still running off your emotions. That's not self-control. Self-control is when you can overcome your emotions and not run off of them. You go, you go, self-control tells me, I'm believing what the Bible says. Nope. I'm not feeling guilty. I know I failed. God covered that sin at the cross. Thank you, Lord. Empower me to stop doing it. Amen. Move on. Amen. Instead of, oh. I don't know if I can go to church tonight, man. I was so bad today. Thinking God's holding it against us. Thinking people are holding it against us. And I don't want people in this church to hold anything against anybody. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Get rid of it. God don't keep score. Neither do we. See how self-control is important? That's why it's in the bookends. To practice all the other fruits, love, patience, peace, all that, you need self-control to do that. How are you going to be patient with somebody that's rubbing you the wrong way? How are you going to be patient in line with people when, when you've got to be somewhere? How are you going to be patient? You ain't going to be. You need the self-control to be patient. All right, Lord, I can't do this. But you told me that I can, so now I'm going to. And there it is. You just did it. You see? That's what it is. You already have it. You just got to use it. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same tests as we do, and yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Amen? All right, Romans 8.26. Let's continue on now. Verse 26 of... Romans chapter 8. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. You ever get to that point? I don't even know what I'm going to pray for today. Things are so messed up, I don't even know what I'm going to do. You ever try to pray when everything's confusing? You just can't get the words out. But guess what? God knows our heart and the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Thank you, Jesus. I got him. He's on my side. Amen. Don't feel bad because you forgot to pray for somebody. Because it's in there. The Holy Spirit knows it. Amen. Galatians 5.16. Come on, we're going to go right down now. We're going to go right into the third one. Yeah, we're getting there. Stay with me. I want us to understand the kind of power we have that we're not using. 
Galatians 5.16. Paul, very, very blunt. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Very simple sentence, isn't it? Why? Why is that so hard? Why is it so hard to let the Holy Spirit guide my life? Because we're not actually using it. Okay. All right, John, you know your way you are. All right, step aside and let the Holy Spirit do it. Now my sinful nature is not operating. That simple. But so hard to grasp. Ephesians 1, verse 16. Come on, we're going to go right down into, step, into the third principle. Ephesians 1, 16. Now we're going to the third. This is the last one. We're going to the third. Apostle Paul praying for the Ephesians. This is what he prays for. Verse 16. Ephesians. I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you earn it constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom or to give you spiritual, the spirit of wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Okay? I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called. His holy people. You see it? That you, that you can understand the confident hope he has given those he called who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. See, it all comes down to believing. Look. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Do you realize you have resurrection power? Listen, people do not understand this power we have. Resurrection power. You have a new life. You are born again. People do not understand it or use it. Christians, that's why we're defeated. Because we're not using the new life. We're still living the old one in the Christian, trying to be a Christian in the old life. Because they're saying, that's not literal. Yes, it is. You are literally born again. It's not something that's a spiritual thing. No, you're born again. I have a new life now in Jesus. I live for God now, not myself. That's something that took place. Have you not noticed? How many of us love to read the Bible now? How did that happen? You tell me how did that happen if you weren't born again. I don't know about you, but when I was back in the day in the world, I didn't care what you did with the Bible. I didn't even look at it. There was more dust on it than there was in the rest of the house. Something happened. That was literal. I literally open the Bible and read it now, don't you? Or listen to it, whatever, but you're into it. Something happened to you. Hallelujah. Thank God it did, right? Or else I wouldn't be up here on a Saturday night at um, 10 of 6. No, I would not be in church at 10 of 6 on a Saturday night. Something happened to me. I wanted to be here instead of where I used to be. That's a literal transformation that happened to me. And if you still want to be there, then you're getting transformed. Simple as that. If you still leave here and then go do what you used to do, well, you never got transformed and you never believe what the Bible said. Fact. 
Because you no longer want them things anymore, the Bible says. So if you still want them, you have to ask yourself, do I really believe what I say I come to church for? Because why do I still want to do that? Then I guess I wasn't born again. I don't have a new life. I'm still living the old one. I don't know about you, but I couldn't wait to come to church. It's crazy. I can't, I can't explain it. It's like how you can't explain where the wind comes from, Jesus said. You can't explain how you're born again. All right, now look what it says. This is the same power that rose him from the dead and seated him at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler and authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. How do you get filled with Christ? Do you wait like this, fill me? No. This is how you get filled with Christ. You get filled with Christ and the world gets filtered out. That simple. All right, you ready for principle three now? All right, principle three. Confess your habits and weaknesses to God and others. First John 1, let's go. How many of us have weaknesses? How many of us never tell anybody about them? Well, guess what? They still have a lot of power over you and they're lacking self-control because you won't get them out. This is a big thing in the Bible that Christians have to do and they don't do it. Secrets. 1 John 1, verse 7. Now, he said something so clear here that we shouldn't even stumble over this. He says, in verse 7 of 1 John 1, I'll let everybody get there. This is important. He says, but. He says, but. If we are living in the light, okay, we have the light, right? If It says, if we're living in the light, if we are, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Now you say, well, if I don't confess, that means I'm not saved. People take this right out of context and say, listen, I have to go to God and let him know that I'm doing wrong. He wants to hear it. I have to let God know and confess to him what sin it is that's holding me captive and keeping me from the freedom. People misunderstand the scripture, write it off. Oh, that's not for me. No, it is for you. Every scripture in this Bible is for you. It tells you to confess it to him. If there's something in your heart that's against God, he wants you to get it out and tell him about it. He wants to hear it, and he wants you to tell someone else about it too. So you can get free of it. This is where people, oh, I can't tell anybody what's going on with me. God already knows. Why do I got to say it? Well, you know it as well as I do. When you still got it inside you, it's still powering you, and you're still falling prey to it, and you're still doing it. Can I get an amen for it? I don't care what it is, and you know what I'm talking about. 
when there's unconfessed sin in your life, it still has control over you. And when you don't bring it out in the light, it still has power. Now look what it says. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And look what he says. And to cleanse us from all wickedness. Look, if you want to get cleansed from it, you've got to tell him about it. Who wants to get cleansed from that stuff that's nasty inside of you? Well, then you've got to tell him about it. Stop holding it in. And stop thinking that you're better than someone else and that you don't have to tell anybody about it. You have to get it out. And the reason why you're being defeated is because you won't. And now churches, oh, I'm not going to tell people that. They'll leave. Well, then if you leave, then you don't want God's truth. It's the truth of the Bible. It tells us to do these things. And you know it as well as I do. The unconfessed sins in your life have power over you. And they're still controlling you. So you're not free in Christ. Go to James chapter 4 now. Everybody's afraid to tell everybody about what's wrong. With Listen, you can't surprise me because I did it all. The Apostle Paul said he was the worst of them all. He called himself the chief sinner. I'm trying to help you here so you can get free. I want you to get free. I want to help you get free. That's what church is all about, getting free from the bondage of sins. Not holding them in and keeping them to get rid of them. And it takes a lot of self-control to humble yourself to do that. Because our flesh crawls with me having to tell somebody this, that I've done. You know as well as I do, some of the things that we did, oof, if anybody ever knew I did that, they probably never talked to me again. No, it's not happening. God already knows what you did. Wait a minute. Shh, God don't see. God don't see. You know why? You know why you can't live free of it? And it shows in your life as a Christian that you're not free of it because you're miserable in Christianity, always complaining, and because you're not free of the bondage of it. So it's making you miserable in your Christian walk. It should be no miserable Christians because they're not getting set free. You're still in bondage. Do you want to be set free or don't you? Well, then let me help you. Get it out. Go talk to God about it. Say, Lord, these things I did all these years ago, I know it. they were bad. Thank you, God, for forgiving me for them. But I just want to let you know that I know how bad I was and I'm humbling myself before you and knowing that if I don't, they're still going to control me and then I'm not going to be able to live for you again. You see? That's simple. And you know you can't live for Christ when there's secrets in your heart. You can play church all you want, but it don't work. And it definitely don't work with me because I was the worst one. <laughs> I talked to God. God's like, I said, God, why would you want anything to do with me? When I, when I broke every law... <laughs> He says, that's, you know why I can use you? Because you admit it. That's how I can use you. He couldn't use the Pharisees. I'm not like him. I didn't get drunk and I, I do this and I do that. I nothing like that. That drug user down there. Look at me. I got a good life. I went to school. Got a degree. I ain't nothing like him. God says, yo, yeah? No, you're worse than him. 
Because the one that did that hangs his head low in shame knowing that he's a sinner and God forgiven him. shameful if a Christian looks down on another Christian that's fallen deep in their life because they have it. Just beware that God might make you fall there to let you know what it's like. You know, he gives. that's what empathy is all about. Having compassion on the downtrodden and broken people. Not condemning them like the Pharisees did. The worst thing we could do, and we're not going to do in this church, is condemn people with Phariseeism because we know a lot. Because the more you know here, the more you forgive. And the more you have compassion. And the more the fruit of the Spirit gets shown in your life. That's what true Christianity is all about. Look at verse 7. James 4. So humble yourself before God. Oh, what? Wait, 516. I'm sorry, I went ahead of myself. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. Do you see it? Very simple scripture. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. How many of us have prayers that they're praying for people that want to be answered? Well, God's searching your heart to make sure that you're living the right way so it will, and make sure that you are so it will get answered and you're not the hindrance of it. Amen. You see? It always goes back on the person. Let me make sure my life is pure so these prayers will get answered. You see, it's all about others, not self. So you purify yourself by doing that. So what? God will hear your prayers. James 4, 7. We're going to get to another principle, don't worry. We're going to get to the fourth one. So humble yourself before God. God, I can't do it. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, you have to be humble to say, I have no power within myself to resist this temptation Lord, I'm defeated. I'm humbling myself before you so you can empower me to do this so I can resist the devil and he's got to go. But this, let me give you one word of advice. He's not going to go away right away. He doesn't just jump off of you. No, he will go away. It says it right here. Do you believe what the Bible says? Are we Bible believers in this church? Well, it says right here, humble yourself, resist the devil, and he will go. Do you believe that? Well, then do it. How about an amen for that? Amen. If you believe it, then you'll do it. Have you ever tried it? There you go. It works, doesn't it? Amen. It works. People who aren't trying it are getting defeated because they ain't humbling themselves. I'm still, I can still handle this. This is mine. No, no. You can't handle anything without him. He's going to show you why. All right, the first principle before we close. Identify and remove your triggers. Check yourself, not others, every day, and see what triggers your sin nature, what triggers your sin nature to awaken. Listen to me. Identify and remove your triggers. Check yourself, not others, every day to see what triggers your sin nature to awaken. All of us know what our triggers are. We know it causes us temptations in our life, and we have to what? Identify them and remove them. 
Galatians 5.19. We're going to get through this one. And we'll close. I want, as, my, as your pastor, for you to live a successful Christian life down here as a living example of the power of God giving you, def defeating your enemies when you're not here. And you glorifying Him. The reason why you were chosen. You were chosen to glorify God. Galatians 5.19 When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, alright, God's trying to show you now what your desires are in your sin nature, so you can see what they are. The results are very clear, okay? Your sin nature causes sexual immorality, your sin nature causes impurity in your heart, your sin nature causes lustful pleasures, your sin nature causes idolatry to put other things in front of God, sorcery causes us to want to take drugs to escape, the, the, the ascension causes us to always be in, always having um, disagreements with people and always finding, uh, getting offended by people. Division, always causing us, oh, I don't want nothing to do with them, our sin nature, because they're not like me. Envy, always wanting what somebody else has. Right? Outbursts, look what it says. <laughs> Let me keep going here. I, a quarrel, hostility, sorcery, hostility, quarreling. How many of us still quarrel? Well, where do you think that? You think that's from God when you quarrel with people? That's just sin nature. Don't blame it on anything else but your sin nature. It tells you right here. Jealousy. Any of us get jealous of other people when they're getting blessed? I hope not here. Outbursts of anger. That is caused by my sin nature? I thought I can justify that. No, that's my sin nature. How many of us have outbursts of anger? Well, we're mature Christians, aren't we? We're all saved and going to heaven. How can I call myself a mature Christian when my anger is always showing up at the door every week? That's my sin nature. That's not the spirit. Look, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I had before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does that mean I'm not going to heaven? No. It's just you won't enjoy the freedom of your sin nature now. Because it's still controlling you. All them things are still controlling you. You're not free in the spirit. You're still in bondage to the flesh. Wouldn't it be great if somebody came at you and you just said, ah, they must have just had a bad day like I did. Or if somebody has something, well, they must have worked hard for it all. Maybe someday God will bless me with it. If not, he's probably going to take me away from God. You see, the reasoning starts to change. You don't start getting mad or jealous or, the, or wanting to go potty or get drunk and celebrate. Your celebration is right here. You're celebrating you're born again and you're with your brothers and sisters. No need to go out and party. The party's in here. <laughs> when you leave here and go party, it's because you don't want this. You want to still party. You still want your sin nature. Then you justify doing it. That's not of God. That's the sin nature. Don't fool yourself. Don't think you're going to expect that living as free in Christ when you're going and do that. All right, now go to Ephesians 4, and here's the remedy. I'm going to close here. Time goes by quick, doesn't it? 
Wow, they're using There's times I used to go to church and I couldn't. He's looking at my watch. Oh, man. Now we're like still wanting to do it. It's already? But that's what keeps us wanting to come back. There's a method to my madness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Look what it says. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love the way he says it in verse 22 of Ephesians 4. <laughs> it says, throw off. <laughs> you, ever, you, know, you know when you don't want to wait, you throw it off for you, you get rid of it? <laughs> like this, throw it off. Get out of here. It's saying, he's telling you to do that with your sin nature. Look what he's saying. Is that an act of, can I sit in the chair and think my sin nature is going to get thrown off of me? No, I have to actively say, get off me. John, get off me. Look, throw off your old sin nature and your former way, listen, your old sin nature is one thing and your former way of life is another. So you have to get rid of both. See it? Throw off your sin nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by what? Lust and deception. Now, it's telling me I have to replace that with something. Instead, Instead of doing, if you're still doing that, you're not replacing it. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. How about an amen? Let the Spirit do it. Your thoughts. This is where the war goes on in here. You know when you think that you've got to satisfy something? It's in your head, right? That lust comes. You've got to do it. You've got to do it or it's not going to go away. That's a lie from the devil. You've got to resist it. Say, nope. Jesus loves me and I live for him now and he says not to do it so I ain't doing it. That's the power of God. The lust of the flesh can't do that. It has to fulfill it. It's not something that you just wait for. It's something you have to do. And you're empowered to do it. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts. Put on your new nature. All right, throw this one off. This is my new nature. See this? Put this on today. <laughs> Putting on my new nature. <laughs> and said, look, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, this word is righteous and holy. When you put this on, you can act that way. But when you're not, and this ain't in here, when this ain't in the stick noggin, you can't do it. It has to be in here. You don't just read it. It has to be inside you for it to be carried out. Christians, you just can't read your Bible. You have to let it take control of you. This has to possess you at the time when you need it the most. Amen? Amen. All right. You got to work out out of that because the gym ain't open. I can't go. So, hey, you know what? I'll work out with the Bible. It said... The Bible says that this is more, this spiritual training is better. But anyway, God's helping me out because I did five miles today. Yay. Thank you, Jesus, right? He says, John, once you get this right in your head, I'll get you healthy. Don't you worry. Put me first and everything else will fall into place. Amen? Amen. All right. We're going to close there. We'll, we'll catch up with the rest of this next week. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. I love you all. All right, Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we're going to close. We're on number 29.
Great song. That was awesome. Drew, you want to close us in prayer tonight? Thank you. Thank you. Drew's going to close us in prayer. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. God bless. Till we meet again.